One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a special episode with Sheila Scott Wilkinson. Today's podcast is being sponsored by E. Cornell. Now, before I moved to New York City into business school, I was looking for a way to stand out among the sea of people I was competing against in the job market as well as my MBA program. And I can't tell you how much my marketing strategy course helped me. Organizations today need professionals with the right mix of skills to lead their businesses into the 21st century. They need creative, Critical thinkers who can go beyond the fundamentals to make strategic decisions in a fast-paced and global and agile environment. eCornell offers certificate programs in leadership, strategic management, finance marketing, business strategy, project leadership, human resources, and much, much more. At eCornell, you can start where you are, 100% online, and on your terms. To earn an Ivy League certificate in as little as, get this, three months Three months, people. Head over to www.ecornell.com forward slash nomads, and you get a twenty percent discount off of most of the eCornell selections of certificates. eCornell, Ivy League around the world. Sheila, amazing. She's she's got quite the history though. So she she grew up. In many places, she grew up in the you know United States, and then at sixteen, she decided to go off to Germany, and then from Germany, she went on to England, and from England to New York, and she's had quite the life, you know, as an actress, as someone who's prominent in the nonprofit world. So it was quite fascinating going down memory lane uh, with her. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and she's got a lot of great advice for how to apply your uniqueness and use that to your advantage. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Sheila Scott Wilkinson. She's an actress, and she's also the executive director and founder of Theater of Hearts. Welcome to the show, Sheila. Thank you. It's wonderful to be speaking with you today. You're very welcome. So, you know, it's fascinating to me when you told me about how you left, you know, small town USA around when you were 16 in the early 60s, and you went to Germany and on to England. But I would love for you to elaborate on, on that journey and sort of what you discovered through that path. Well, I think it's a, a unique story. I didn't realize it was a unique story uh, when I was 16 years old. But as I reflect on it, I realized that it was quite, uh, I had a, a, a quite a different path. Um, I am from small town USA in Illinois. 
And my parents were very active in uh, the community. My mother was very active in all parts of the community in terms of civil rights as well. And you know, in the 1960s, everything was like exploding and changing. And, uh, and my father was also very active and an entrepreneur. And um, I had very visionary parents. Uh-huh. So my mother had a vision in terms of I was always involved in theater and uh, in my high school, in elementary school, piano, and all those good things. So she felt that I had talent, and, but she did feel, because of me being African American, that I would not get the opportunities in the United States. So somehow, she, uh, two, two weeks after I graduated from high school, uh, my, my parents had a friend, a West, a West Indian um, Monsignor, who was friends with some people in Germany. And somehow, they, they said, okay, she can go and uh, go over to Germany. Now, just remember, I had no plan. It wasn't like I was going to school. Right. It wasn't like I was... My, I don't know how my mother thought of this, but the only girl child, she had really confidence to let me fly and let me go, um, which I realized that was quite extraordinary. Um, anyway, I was I went to Germany, and uh, I stayed with this family for six months, and um, I remember that the lady uh, invited me down to dinner. I had a room at the top of the house, and she said, "Uh, would you sing something for my friends here? And so um, I sang whatever I sang, and the woman said, you're in. And I went, in where? You're, you're now. Remember, I'm not speaking German at the time. Right, you speak English, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm just trying barely to understand what was going on, and I'm not in. Um, I'm in a whole German atmosphere. So uh, she said, "I'm in," and that meant I was in the con- the Frankfurt Conservatory of Music. Gosh. <laughs> which was, I didn't know what was going on. And I didn't speak German at the time. And um, so I did go to the school, uh, and it was all in German. So I really had to learn German really quite fast. Um, I stayed with a family that had foster children. Uh, And I say foster children. At that time, they were... um, children from the black GIs in the German women, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they were staying in the house, they were called brown babies. I was treated quite different from them, but I did, I did notice that they were treated rather badly. Uh, and that was something that really upset me. Huh. And it really distressed me. If, if I could uh, just stop there. So you, you, the brown babies, you said, um, 
Well, it's because of their the color of their skin, right? And you said they were yeah. and they're treated yeah. badly in what way? What do you mean? Well, they they were they were really totally second class citizens. Mm. They would be called names. They were uh, disenfranchised from the normal German uh, society. Mm. Uh, and then when I learned German, and I was learning German more and more, I understood that. Um, and uh, so what happened is I left that family after six months and got a little, a, a little I can't even say apartment, a little room over a restaurant on <laughs> Kleine Bokenheimer Straße in Frankfurt, Germany. <laughs> And the woman was outraged, you mean, you know, the 16-year-old, almost 17 at the time, was going to be, you know, on their own in a foreign country. But my mother had a, another kind of attitude. She said, I raised her, I love her, and I let her go. They were always there, you know, maybe 5,000 miles away. But I was really on my own. And I have to say that it wasn't an easy transition. Uh, you know, I was very lonely in the beginning. You know, I, I, I didn't understand what people were talking. Uh, I was not a part of the American GI situation, that the, the, the Americans that were stationed there. I was totally involved with all uh, the, German, the German culture. Huh. Now, now for and American I, GI, sorry, and the American okay. GI, what is that exactly? The what? The American GI? Well, uh, well, I mean, you know, a lot of the Americans were based in Germany. Right. You know, as soldiers. Yes. The GIs were, were based there, so uh, there was, you know, large bases there. But they pretty much, you know, stuck to themselves. I mean, they weren't a part of the German culture as such. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, I... I went on and I, you know, I became friends. I had, I became, you know, I had friends, German friends. I spoke German, had a, you know, a German boyfriend, and um, I went to school. And what happened was, I went to school, and I was learning opera and leader. But in the evenings, I was down the street singing jazz in the jazz keller. <laughs> I changed my name. I changed my name for the jazz keller was Jefferson because the Germans of the classical German uh, mindset they weren't to totally in in enthralled with that. Um, but my whole voyage was is that I really always wanted to be an actress, and um, so. There were a German, uh, a German musician in, who was married to an English woman, and they lived right over me. And uh, they kind of babysat me a little bit. I mean, they showed me the ropes. And, I mean, people were very kind to me. You know, they were very kind. And uh, I said, I wanted to be an actress. And they said, oh, you've got to go to England if you're going to be an actress. <laughs> Oh, you got to go to England to be an actress? Well, what do I have to do? I mean, totally stupid. I mean, completely, you know, with no idea. I mean, that's what youth is, right? Right. Anyway, so um, I went. I decided 
to learn a couple of monologues. They told me I had to learn some monologues. And so I got on a train and I'd never been to England and I never knew anyone in England, not a soul in England and got off I, uh, at, uh, I think it was uh, Charing Cross station. And I went looking around for, I didn't know where to go. And I saw a bed sitting room in a window. And I didn't remember, I didn't have very much money at the but, but you you just went there out of you know you did it you were you didn't even think about it you didn't even think twice it doesn't sound like no that. <laughs> no I didn't think twice about it I just got on a train and 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 went off I didn't write anybody I didn't do anything so I saw a bed sitting room and uh, these two old ladies uh, ran this kind of bed the this uh, rooming house and I told them that I was going to be an actress and I'm here to to go to school and so forth and so on and I said I don't have very much money but you know when I get money I'm gonna pay you <laughs> and they were so dumbfounded by this girl I guess with such chutzpah that they said yeah that you know you can stay in the you here's a room for you <laughs> and they gave me tea and and they were very very sweet so I looked in the phone book for drama schools. Do you believe it? I, I looked in the phone book. Well, hey, wait, wait, what's a phone book? I'm just kidding. You know, I looked in the directory. You know, the, yeah. the directory where there's just yeah, no, yeah. like drama schools. I looked under drama schools, yeah, theater you, schools. Yeah, no, it's crazy because, I, you know, it's funny. I, I remember when phone books were very prevalent, but... I was making that joke because it's it's now you don't even need a phone book. I know you yeah. don't need a one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you just look, just look online. <laughs> but at but, the time, it just goes to show you <laughs> there were no cell phones, smartphones. You know. Um, anyway, I uh, went to several schools, and they said, "Oh, you know, you're at the wrong time. We don't audition until that time. We don't audition." You know, in, you know. Remember, I'm I'm am African American, and I'm going to knock on these doors and so forth. But they were very sweet. So the third one I finally found, and uh, I went to the school and I told this guy, and he happened to be one of the directors. And I said, "Look, I got to audition for you. You know, I'm I need to. Otherwise, you know, I don't have very much money, and I've got to get back." To, to Germany and blah, 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 blah. So he said, well, I can't make any kind of decisions, not unless you talk to the other director. And so he gave me the director's uh, name and uh, address. So I had to find my way over there. I knocked on, this is where his home. I knocked on his door and he opened the door and I gave him the big spiel that I have to audition. You have to audition me. So he told me, I guess I was very persuasive. He said, come back in a week. And that was like 300 years to me, right? Yeah. Because I was living, you know, the grace, uh, uh, you know, with these two ladies who were just kind of helping me out. But anyway, they were fine. I did audition. And after I auditioned for them, they said that they couldn't tell me for another three months whether I got in or not. Yeah, that, that was probably a lifetime for you, too, if a week was a lifetime. Uh, that was a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. So I went back to Germany, and um, 
I, uh, my, my little boyfriend at the time said, okay, let's, let's take off, you know, let's go. So we went and traveled in a little bug and we went all through, uh, Eastern Europe, Turkey, Greece, uh, in a tent and, you know, dance with the gypsies. Dance with the gypsies. <laughs> dance with the gypsies, rode horses in Hungary on the pustas with the Hungarian cowboys. And it was just an amazing, fantastic trip that we did. I mean, with, with no money, right? Right. Came back and I was in the school. Wait, so you came back and then after... The... There, was a, there was a letter waiting for me. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And they said I was in the school. Hmm. Uh, so that was a whole nother chapter. You know, by then I had... I mean, there's so many stories in Germany, but that's for the book, right? Yeah, that's what it <laughs> There's so many stories in Germany. By that time, I had learned German. By that time, you know, I was embedded into Germany at that particular time. But, you know, I had to, I really wanted to, 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 to act. So I went on to England and I was in drama school for three years. And in my third year, I started to uh, get work. But... The funny thing is, when I went to England, it was weird because because I had been speaking German, I would put my verbs at the end of the sentence. Right. And people thought, you know, what was going on with me? <laughs> uh, because I was really thinking in German by that time. And uh, so I had to kind of unravel that a little bit. And uh, there was another culture shock, huh. you know, going to England. You know, there was an, another country, uh, you know, I would, again, there was no safety net. Right. Um, and, um, but what there was, I was. What was the difference between Germany and England to you? Well, I think the difference was, A, you know, they, they spoke English, but I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> the accent well just there's so many different words there's so many different dialects right, right so right. many different and 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 there's uh you know the cultural difference of how they do things in the mindset when you are living in a country and you know the language that's when you know the country that's when you know the culture that's when you know the people Right. Um, just because they spoke English didn't mean that I knew the culture. I didn't know the nuances of that country good. or no, people. It's a very good so, point. So you have to learn that and sort of assimilate into the culture. That's you, right. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it's different from being a tourist. You know, a tourist who, you know, goes, they stay in a Hilton Hotel, they go wherever. I mean, it's fine that they get to see the world. But when you're living in a, uh, in a culture, it's a whole different ballgame. You are totally uh, involved with every, every nuance of that culture. And you see the best of it 
and the worst of it. You know, the, the rose-colored glasses are off once you are embedded in that culture. Exactly. So England now, and then you started getting work in the third year. In, in the third year, where my uh, directors did not want me to work, but I said, isn't this the reason why I'm in drama school, is to get work? You <laughs> go out and get work. So um, I did do several things at very prominent uh, theaters, like the Royal Court in Hello? And I didn't stop working for like 10 years. Hmm. Now, in, in this in this period, you were staying there. How, how, many, how many years did you stay in England? I stayed, I was there 13 years. 13 years. And how were you communicating with your parents back there? Did you? Well, my you... parents, you know, my parents, well, letters. Okay. You know, telephone calls. And they did visit me periodically. Okay. Okay, good. You yeah. know, my mother came to visit, uh, and then every time they came, though, when especially when I was in England, when they came, when my father could break away, I was working somewhere, and uh, that was really interesting. You know, they were kind of almost on their own, but it was so I was so happy that they were there. You yeah. know, they were they were I think because they had me really when they were older. They really enjoyed having a young daughter, if you know what I mean. Right. No, I, yeah, I completely understand that. You understand that. Yeah. Did, did they get to see some of your work? And, and if they did, which work were you yes, most proud of? Yes, they got to see, um, they did see me when I was at the National, the, Royal Co uh, the National Theater in London. My father and my mother were able to see me in uh, a David Hare play that I, in, in London, that I did. And then some of the televisions, things that I had, uh, they saw, it was all on beta then, you know, tape things. They didn't see the actual, because remember then, things did not translate. The English uh, dramas were mostly costume dramas okay. that came across to, to England. The modern dramas uh, did not come across. Only recently, in the last maybe six, six, even seven years, did like unusual suspects start to come over, um, you know, some of the modern dramas. But usually it was the costume dramas, and that was very, very English, you know. Uh, and, and the work that I did, I did do uh, Shakespeare and the classics, but that was all in, in the theater. The modern television things that I did did not translate and did not come across to the United States at that time. Hmm. Now, or the I, movies or, you know, things it, that I did there. It, it was so then, you, you know, you were basically primarily based in England and a lot of the work stayed there, it sounds like. Yes, okay. at that time. Okay, at that time. Now, I, I'm just curious because 16-year-old going off to Germany and then, you know, hearing about the opportunity in England and then, and then going off to England, there have got, there's got to be a lot of stories out of those. Uh, I'm just curious if you could pull maybe one or two stories that, that you know, show, sort of showed how you interacted with the culture of uh, both countries. Yeah, I think the, the, the Germany, and, and I really, there's a few stories in there that I really can't talk about that were really impactful for me. Hmm. In, in, in Germany that really um, 
was the reason why I did leave Germany. Um, but the, I, I don't know, there were so many different experiences. It's, it, it was just uh, so many different ones. Gotcha. But I, I really think most of it, you know, came through me being in the arts. You know, the discovery. Remember, I was 17 or 16 years old. And the doors opened to discovery. Everything was new. Music, um, you know, the food, um, how people interacted. I mean, I was like a sponge. I, I was very curious. I learned so much. And I remember that the lady did take me to um, this place when I first got here. Uh, it was in Germany, if you know, that they, the babies took, the mothers took folilamide. Do you remember that? That there was drug huh. that was discovered, I believe, in Germany, and it was given to pregnant women in Germany. And she took me to this uh, home where the where these young people were, and they were all caged in this cage. Uh, in Germany, and they were all deformed children with no legs, no arms. Oh. And it, that was so impactful. I mean, I, it, it, my heart was just, I'd never seen anything like it before. And I had so much gratitude at a very young age that we really don't need. Um, it, is a, it is fortunate that we come to this into this uh, wor er, world whole, you know, and I never forgot that, and I was always very grateful for uh, for for how I looked, mm -hmm. and that I was able to pursue my dreams after seeing those those young people, and they were really like in prison, they were like in cages, hmm. you know, and that was something that just she, I don't know why she took me there or anything else, but, you know, she. I think she was involved with it in some way, and uh, it was very impactful. Um, you know, the German culture is um, very exacting. You know, on, I, I have some very dear German friends, and I still have them. They brought their, you know, their children here, and... Um, but it's very exacting, you know, you clean on Friday, you, you walk on Sunday to the, in the woods, and that, <laughs> and that was always a little bit uh, interesting for me, to say the least. No, I, you know, I, I think that you brought up some good points there, you know, the fact that, and this is something I find common with a lot of third culture kids and TCKs, it's curiosity leads to a lot of things, so it leads... To us, like you said, you wanted to be a sponge. You wanted to be a sponge. You were learning everything, the culture, the nuances. And it also, some of the ways that um, uh, a lot of TCKs have, have gravitated towards new, uh, new cultures is through arts. You know, I'm, I'm using media. But, you, you know, yeah. you, you used, uh, you know, you, went, you did music, you did acting, and all that. So, and obviously, I, th I think it sounds like that got you into some of the culture a lot easier than it might have been if you were... Um, just a fish out of water do you are there have any pieces of advice you can give maybe another 16 year old 
coming in maybe who wants to go into another culture right now and has no idea what he or she is getting involved in well i always say to the young people i mean for me a lot of the the the, the young people that you know have traveled they usually go when they're in university uh-huh from university in America. I never went to university in the United States. Okay. You know, that was a difference. I didn't, my, all my opinions, everything that, you know, was developed was in other countries because I went so young and I did not have a safety net. I, I don't know if today a lot of young people would uh, feel that secure to go without a safety net, if you know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, you know, I... without, you know, usually they're traveling with a group from from their from their colleges, and there are those that are going, you know, as missionaries, as um, the Peace Corps, all of those are, are wonderful experiences. For myself, the way I went uh, without a safety net, Without an organization behind me, um, it does take a lot of courage to do so, and you are very much on your own. You have to really think on your own. There's many times that there's situations that you really have to be mature enough, even at that age, to maneuver to maneuver uh, through them. Okay. All right. Well, what were three things you did? You found like maybe was it what every time you went to a new country? What were three things that you made sure you did just so you were acclimatized and made sure you you were you know acculturated a little bit? I wish I could answer that, but there wasn't anything that I actually did do. Okay, I just landed there, and from there that was the beginning of my voyage and journey. And as I was became more and more involved, that's how the learning came. I didn't read books before I went about the country. I didn't do any of that. I just landed there and absorbed. And you're, it sounds like you were very willing to, or open-minded really, to, to what was being offered. Yes, I mean, yeah. You, you have to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be curious and you have to be open-minded to to actually do that, yes. I, I agree. Now, you know, a lot of things that happens with travelers, uh, people that go around a lot, is that, that journey home. You know, I'm, I'm putting air quotes with the word home. So, you know, 16, 17, went off to Germany, England. And then the you had basically maxed out your opportunity in England and then you knew that you had to come back you out to, I guess, Hollywood or New York? Which, which one was it? I, I came back, well, I, uh, first of all, I came back to New York. New York. But I didn't come back to New York because I'd never been to New York. All right, right. You moved. <laughs> you moved to the United States. I moved to the, the United States, yeah. <laughs> to New York, and I didn't know anything about New York. Okay, well, talk about that. How, tell, tell me about the journey from England to New York and then the rest of, okay. you know, how well, you know. Well, that's where... This is where it really starts in terms of the culture shock of coming back to your own country and um, having been away from such an early age. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. That was the biggest culture shock of ever. And people, people would be talking at me or talking to me, and I didn't know literally what they were saying. In other words, what was the meaning behind what they were saying? It seemed like. If, if somebody said they were going to do something and you, 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 you thought, oh, okay, they're going to call you at whatever time, that didn't happen when one uh, came back to the United States. Hmm. There were so many um, people, because I was American and I sounded American, even though I had, you know, words and, and I had this kind of funny accent, but I was always, I sounded American, but I had this funny words and things like that. They thought, you, I'm American, in which I am American. So they assumed that I knew everything. But I got into more problems because I couldn't read people. I couldn't read what they meant behind the words. Where somebody here that were in America they understood, oh, no, that person is really not somebody that you should be involved with or this is or that uh, organization or company or whatever. I had to learn that pretty much the hard way. Uh, who was who? Even in the in the business, you know, who was who? Huh. And how you uh, move through that. And then there was also the cultural difference of, you know, being African-American, coming back to the United States. Uh, when I came back, I had this amazing resume of things that I had done. But when I got back, when I went on interviews and things of that nature, they thought that I had padded my resume. They couldn't believe the things that I had accomplished. And remember, things weren't moving as fast the media, you know, things weren't moving as fast from the United States to England and back and forth. You know, that was, even though I had some names that I could look up from, uh, you know, drama school, I went to the Birdoff school to keep my, um, keep my chops up, as they say, because I got a reference to go there. And, um, but just living in New York was a real experience for me. Hmm. And that now, even now, 
I heard some of you, some of the podcasts and the people that are third world kids. It's, I'm a third world. Third, I'm, yeah, TCK. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, so I'm also a third artist kid. So that is even more difficult, even to this day, where I can sit down and I can be talking to friends and things like that. And sometimes I feel I cannot share my experience because they they think I may be um, egotistical or boasting. Mm. But that's my life. Right. It's my life. So it, 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 I found that Americans are not that curious. If you say something, they'll go, oh, yes, well, what was it like living in England? And, oh, you left when you were young. And uh, did you... Did you go to the Eiffel Tower and did you, you know, it's, it's very tourism that they, they expect you to talk about. But when you're living in a place, it's, it's totally different. And all the experiences when they're talking about they went to college and, you know, what happened on the campus and what we did there, I don't have that experience. Hmm. I can only speak about what I did at that particular time. Right. And usually it's very odd that they people they can't compute a lot of times. They just can't absorb it. Well, what and, is, and, I, and I find that very disconcerting many times that there's a whole part of my life that I can't really share like I would like to. Well, then how did you resolve it? How did you resolve it when you found that? Because I know what you're talking about when you say, you know, I grew up here, I grew up here. It sounds like you're boasting. And then you come back to, you know, to America, which is supposed to be your country. But it seems like you're a fish out of water because there are a lot of things that maybe a lot of your colleagues did and then you didn't get to experience. So what how did you sort of, you know, navigate your well, way? I, I guess I navigated like I navigated wherever I went. I emerged myself into the, any place that I was in hmm. and started to make new friends. When you don't have family around you, you have to. And you don't have friends, you're coming to a new place, you have to make friends. Or you have to, you know, you, you have to do more work than who has, you know, their, their, their college buddies, you know, over here. Or right, there. right. You, you have to make and work harder than anyone if you're going to survive. And that's what, that's what, that's what I've done. You know, uh, when, when I came back, I was still going back and forth to England to work. But I finally decided that I was, I was in New York and I got work out here in Los Angeles. And when I got work out here, you know, this again was another culture shock being in Los Angeles. And I really thought that I wasn't going to stay here because I, at the time, I felt that it was very phony. You know, everybody talking about their swimming pools and their, their, their cars and this and that. But I found a group of people after being here that were just as serious. They were great and fun and all those things, but really looked at the world differently and wanted to make uh, uh, an impact and a difference outside of their own uh, careers. And so that's when um, 
I started to look and find other avenues. And what happened was I joined a ensemble company where we went into prisons all over Southern California and um, provided workshops with uh, the incarcerated. And, and that was an eye-opener to me of how transformative the uh, arts were in doing theater. It was amazing. Um, and then after that, I was working also with kids uh, in the inner city uh, teaching theater. And I saw these kind of so-called tough kids just become children again, kids again. You know, they, they were really uh, amazingly uh, talented. Not that they're all going to be, you know, theater people or dancers or whoever, but how the arts was transforming these kids, giving them a creative uh, uh, process to move through and to look at the world differently because what the arts does it opens you up it expands your world you know it, it brings you in contact with all science in other cultures in 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 it, it it just takes you out of that four block radius of where you are maybe in the inner city uh it unlocks that it unlocked it for me you know, I just had it on a, a, a larger canvas, gotcha. and I saw that, and uh, I, I really started to think, you know, this is something that I really want to do. I want to use arts for, for social change, and uh, I, I started to kind of feel my way through that, and then I was um, through that program of going into prisons and all of that, the woman called me up one day and she said, uh, Sheila, can you, can you come uh, over to the office? I don't have anyone to answer the phones. And um, I did go, and that was me always saying yes. And I went and I became program director uh, in designed and implemented arts education workshops in over 10 prisons all over Southern California. And from there, that's when I learned the ropes of nonprofit, and that's where I formed my own organization with some wonderful friends of mine, and that's how Theater of Hearts Youth First was founded, and we provide quality arts education uh, for at-risk and high-risk youth in the uh, in the probation camps, juvenile halls, alternative schools, libraries, community sites, uh, low-income housing, wherever there are youngsters that would n not be privy to a quality fine arts education. And to date, we've served over 100,000 kids to date with long-term arts education in theater, dance, music, storytelling, creative writing, across the board. So I believe that all of my experience that I've had when I went to um, England, no safety net and everything, I never had the fear that, that I couldn't do something. And uh, in starting a nonprofit was one of those things, again, 
that people said to me, just like they said to my mother, you're going to let that girl go at 16 years old. And they said, when I started the nonprofit, they said, oh, it's so difficult. It's so hard. You know, do you really want to do this? I had no fear because that's all I did. That my life prepared me for the challenge of doing this. So I, if I, if you ask me about would I suggest or give advice to a young person 16 to travel and to go, you cannot have fear. If you have fear, you will not accomplish anything. If you feel that you're going to fail, fail. There's many times that you don't get it right, but that only gives you the muscle to get it right sometimes. And I feel that a lot of times the youngsters are too coddled. They uh, are a little bit more timid to move and to try something. But all the inventors, all the people that have moved through the world that have created things, they didn't ever think about that. They just made that move. And when you make that move, that's where, and you have to follow your heart. You know, you can make all the money in the world, but if you don't follow your heart, you're not going to be happy. But if you follow, I don't care if you're going to be an engineer, a marketing person, whatever, if that's something that you feel you love, you're going to do, you're going to do it because you're not going to take no for an answer. Right. No, I mean, I was, you know, it's funny that you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to talk about how you're using your difference to make a difference. And you, you know, you basically went into how you're using the arts to show social change and the 100,000 kids, 100,000 kids you've helped yeah. impact. That's amazing. I just want to commend you for that. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's your, that ability, even if you're, you're fearful, but the ability, the willingness to take a risk, this is something that I've noticed with uh, people that have, you know, multicultural backgrounds or uh, people that have sort of been thrust in different cultures, it's sort of uh, almost like a survival of the fittest that you know that you have to really break out of your, your mold to just go and do something out of the out of your conventional uh, self. So, um, yeah, and, and also, you know, just being an actress in England and doing what I did, I mean, being African-American, that was not easy. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that was, I, I was working as an actress like any English actress would be working, which was quite extraordinary at the time. I, I still think, I mean, it's, it's funny, you brought up a good point earlier when you said, just because you speak English doesn't mean you understand the culture. Um, I, I, you know, I'm from Nigeria, we speak English, and if I come here, uh, or uh, another Nigerian comes here, anyone comes here, it's it's going to be a, a culture shock regardless. And if they yes. had any, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you have Indians that speak English, you have South Africans, you know, so many countries. It's more about really getting to know the nuances, what makes this person tick, what, you know, what do these people like to do? And, uh, you know, I, I think those are definitely great things here. But... I do have some fears. We're transitioning to the end here, but I, I want to do some more fun questions here because um, I can't let you get off without telling me some of the who the famous people you acted with. I mean, you were an actress for you're still an actress. And you've been an actress for over 20 years. What, what has been your favorite project? 
what has been some of the the most the work you've been proud of, and who is your favorite actor or actress to work with? Well, I mean, some of the names you probably wouldn't even know because I was there then, and I was always about the work. But the, some of the projects that I did was like um, uh, ACDC from the Royal Court, and I was working with an actor called. Uh, uh, oh God, what was his name? Uh, I just blanked on on on. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> this has been years ago, but anyway, that was a Hedcock Williams play, and it was really a groundbreaking play at the time at the Royal Court. Some of the work that I did really uh, was the work that I loved was in the theater. I did do a. Uh, um, I loved, at, I did a very young age, I played Martha in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at the Liverpool Playhouse, mm -hmm. which, was, which was amazing. I'm in quite a few books from England, um, Royal Court, 100 Years, the Liverpool Playhouse, 100 Years, I mean, I'm not 100, but, you know, <laughs> there is uh, a lot of things that, uh, you know, are, 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 are written about. Um, but as far as fame, I went to school with Penelope Wilton, and, you know, she has amazing, you know, with the, all of the things and works that she's done. But, I, you know, I just really enjoyed a lot of the different uh, work that I did. I did a, a crime series, uh, in England, and that was that was a special branch. It was called, and I was. Uh, it this was an interracial uh, couple. He was a a police inspector, and I was a head. I was a head of this hospital, wow. and we were lovers. And at that time, I don't even think in America that they were doing it. <laughs> you know that was that was a whole new situation you know so I, it, it was it was really interesting but that that um it's more about the work it's more about the work more about the work about okay. the famous people okay you know. mm -hmm. all right well what about uh since you're into arts which countries that out of the countries you've been to which countries or cities has the oh have the, has the best uh, music? The best music? Yeah. <laughs> you mean now or then? Well, yeah. Uh, let's go then first, and then we can go now. <laughs> <laughs> Who had the best music? Well, you know, I have to say, um, it, it, it all depends. I mean, I was totally into the classics in. Germany, and I also learned about jazz in Germany. You learned about jazz in Germany. <laughs> I learned, I mean, I love jazz. I, I, my, my family played all different kinds of music, but really understanding that music, both the culture, the, the classical and the jazz, I mean, the, the Germans were very much into to American jazz. And uh, so were the English, and funny enough, because I saw some of the great jazz performers in Germany and England. 
You know, they were in clubs and they came here because they weren't getting the work in America. So I was always uh, around music. I mean, I was also around at the time when the Beatles were coming along and I knew, you know, I would, you know, be associated with them, the Stones. And, and you know, in, in England, everybody, if you were working, you were involved with everybody, whether it was music, literary, uh, it wasn't separated right. like it was in the United States. If you went to a dinner party, you were surrounded by, you know, artists, uh, songwriters, anybody that was busy doing whatever they were doing, You, they knew you and you knew of them. So it was an exciting time to be in England. That was the time of the swinging 60s, right? <laughs> So, so England had the best music then. Um, well, it was still co-opted from America. Mm. You know, it was co-opted still from America. They just put their spin on it, especially the popular music. They put their spin on it, and then they then it came back. It was different, and America thought, "Oh, this is different," but. I still think that in terms of popular music, uh, America had the best music and every, everything came from there. Um, like reggae, you know, Bob Marley, all of that, they were all passing through. I mean, in, in, in England, everything was merging. You know, all, every, all different music was the jazz, the pop, reggae. I mean, everything was all coming into one great, uh, city, and that was exciting at that time. Gotcha. All right, all right. Uh, best food. Food. Um. Well, I I love uh in 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 because I did move around you know Europe, uh, and 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 all over the place. But I loved in England, of course. I loved the the Indian curry. Indian curry. The Indian. Indian curry. I mean, they made the best Indian, I mean, really soulful Indian food. And when I came back to America at that time, there were hardly, especially in uh, Los Angeles, there wasn't hardly any Indian uh, restaurants. There was maybe one or two. But but now there, there, there are many. Um, and, and I love that. And I loved... Um, uh, I love the, the 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 Greek. I love the the Greek food when I was in 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 Greece. Oh, Sheila, I love Mediterranean food. So Greeks, Greek Greek yeah. food is amazing. So yeah. I loved I loved when I was I stayed on this island for four months. Uh, Eos by myself. It's this little island by uh, Santorini, mm. oh. and they had no refrigerators, no. Nothing. They were and the boat would come in with supplies every two weeks. Oh my goodness, Santorini! Isn't Santorini beautiful? I mean, you know the yes, white, the Santorini, white. But this was Eos. It was the you know uh, that little island yeah. across Santorini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know Greece. You know Santorini, Eos. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And that was that island across, and there was no refrigeration, no nothing, because I had been going to Mykonos, and Mykonos was nobody was going to Mykonos. Then after after a while, I went to Mykonos 
and they had built an airstrip. And I said, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> it started all tourists. And that's when I said, I, I asked what, where, where the boat was going. And the boat said, we're going to Eels. I said, I'm on it. <laughs> and I went on this, 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 this freighter or whatever it was. And uh, that was taking supplies, and I got off there and stayed for three months. Wow. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny. You said Mykonos wasn't popular then, but now it's... it's oh, it's, got it. it. You know, I would never go there. You would never... I would... I love... I love. I went to Mykonos and Santorini. I absolutely love both of them. You wouldn't go to Mykonos now? No. No. Oh. It, it not... No, because it isn't... It's overrun by... Well, you, you're, you're a young man, and I think... Going to Mykonos is a wonderful thing. <laughs> Go to I mean, it's party, party. You know, everything is going on there. But when I was going, it was this quiet little village that, you know, it wasn't discovered yet because my friends in Athens, my um, I had friends in Athens who were Greek friends. They were the ones who uh, took me or, or we came over to Greece and there's nobody there. Mm. Nobody. It was just this little sleepy island. I mean, some people would come, people who would know about it would come across, but it was just a quiet, nice island. So that was that was then. Okay. And of course, you know, back then, you know, the coup was going on at one point when I was there, the coup was going on. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You probably. Too I mean, I, I, only, I only read about it. So, but I know okay. the story. yeah. But the coup was, was happening, and that was a whole nother thing where, uh, you know, you couldn't be more than six people in a room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. They would yeah. come and get you. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, um, I guess we, we talked food there. Which, which country had the friendliest people? I really think that, um, that to me, the Greeks were so friendly. You really, you have, it, you have an affinity, affinity for Greece. Right? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> the, the English, the southern part of England, England, I always felt comfortable in England. I don't know, maybe in my other lifetimes I was there, but I really got the humor. I got, I, I just, there was a comfort level being in England, and a lot of people think not, but I, I felt that I had been there, and I, I knew the people, really. Hmm. I knew their their humor. I knew the humor. I understood the nuances very quickly. Uh, there was there's really a lot of comfort. I had a lot of comfort there. That's good. That's good to know. Uh, which country did you go to that changed your perception of it before you went there? So maybe you had a certain idea of how people would be, and then you went there and you were like, hmm, okay. It's a little different. I think it's breaking stereotypes. Yes. Uh, any any way I mean you think that um, I think that the, I don't know if what's different but I love the Italians Italians yeah because <laughs> I love the loudness of them I love all that talking with your hands and eating with your food and I love all that energy that they, 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 I felt at home there as well because they, they're loud and boisterous and, and full of energy and you think that they're arguing, but they're not, they're just talking to one another. 
<laughs> you know, you know what they say the same thing about West Africans. Everybody, like I'm from West Africa. Everybody thinks I'm so I'm shouting at them, and whenever two of us in a room, we're always yelling, especially me and my yeah, mom. And but, like I'm not yelling at you, just talking. <laughs> that's right. And so that's what I discovered that there was no argument going on. It was just that they were enjoying one another's company and they were, you know, discussing things and they were passionate about mm -hmm. things. I think that I love the passion. I love anyone who's full of passion and has ideas. And I found that that was always something that I gravitated to. Gotcha. All right, cool. Well, this is the last question here. Thank you so much. Where can we find out more about you and how can we connect with you and tell us, you know, maybe even help your work out there? We're located in Los Angeles, California, and uh, you can reach us at www w theater theater t h e a t r e of o f hearts h e a r t s dot org gotcha. and um yeah if anybody's interested in finding out a little bit more about us we provide quality arts education to youngsters preschool uh k through pre-k through 12 all over the county of Los Angeles in all kind of uh, settings, schools and community centers across Los Angeles County. We're an artist and resident program, so we have a roster of over 300 professional artists that we train and that we are standard-based with common core uh, curriculum going working with the youngsters. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much, Hila. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, I can't wait to see the next things that you, you and your organization does. And I thank you too, uh, Teo. You're doing a fantastic uh, job of connecting people. And those, I, I, as I said to you, I didn't even know that this existed. <laughs> other people out there uh, who are, um, you know, in the same kind of category, more or less. Right, right. As, as I am. So really appreciate that as well. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for the kind words. Are you looking to balance your personal and work priorities at the same time? Get accelerated courses derived from graduate level content and developed by Cornell professors and maximize the time and the impact that you can make in your job. The great thing about eCornell is that you don't sacrifice interaction. eCornell students consistently rate class discussions and connections with global professionals and faculty as one of the most valuable parts of their learning experience. Through eCornell, you join an elite group of professionals who have empowered themselves and their organizations with targeted online training and marketing that drives results and revenue. What are you waiting for? Go to www.ecornell.com forward slash nomads and save 20% off most of the courses. eCornell, Ivy League, around the world. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to As Told by Nomads. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher and subscribe. Also, be sure to head over to my website, tyroxin.com, to subscribe for more updates and tips on how to navigate the world and check out some of the other things I'm doing. Till next time, remember, home 
is not necessarily a physical place. It is wherever you most feel comfortable. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.